Hello and welcome Meg players and anybody else who's decided to join us for whatever reason. I, I do know that there are some people out there who may not be Meg players, but for whatever reason are interested in our podcasts. Anyway, everybody's welcome. Um, the got the usual team here today, myself, Richard Jeffrey Cook and Matt Haywood. Good evening. And the, this, this episode is going to be uh, one of our historical ones rather than um, about, say, a competition or any other stuff. Um, and this time we're going back to look at the Romans in Europe, mainly Northwest Europe. Uh, and we're looking at yeah, real Romans, real Romans. Yeah, we, uh, we were having a bit of a discussion before we started recording and, and we realised the only Romans we've covered really so far were in the Attila episode we did some time ago. Um, so the rather declining Romans. This is this is the opposite. We're going from the time of Augustus through to AD 69-70 um, and the Batavian Revolt that was part of the, the, the year of the four emperors um, after Nero's death and a period of civil war. Um, just before we get into that, I'd just like to, to thank the people who have listened to the podcast. We've had some really useful feedback given on the podcast. Um, people saying things they like, always always flatters the ego. Things they, shall we say, like less, <laughs> um, which is also really good to know. So we will be obviously trying to do more of the former, less of the latter. Um, but yeah, please, any, any feedback, any thoughts you've got, how we can make this podcast more interesting, more relevant to uh, the community out there, um, we'd very much appreciate it. So enough of my introduction. I will hand you over to Richard Jeffrey Cook, who will give us some historical background on the period we're looking at. And after that, we shall move on to a selection of armies from the period. We've drawn up lists and we'll go through them, giving our thinking on them um, and oops, await each other's derision, as we always say, or delight even. And of course, they will all be up on the blog after the podcast is published, where you can all look at them yourselves and uh, draw your own conclusions. Anyway, over to Richard. Thank you, Nick. So uh, the Romans in Northwest Europe um, really starts, I suppose, with the um, pre Roman presence in southern France and Spain, which was established by the time of the Second Punic War. That's around 220 BC. And really, Roman influence grows for the next couple of hundred years. Um, the significant change, of course, was the conquest of Gaul by Julius Caesar in the um, 40, 40s, uh, sorry, 50s BC, um, which obviously extended Roman influence right up to what is now modern Belgium and the north of France. Um, during the period from Caesar's death in 44 until Octavian's defeat in uh, Antony and Cleopatra in Atactium in 31 BC, um, the, the whole area remained pretty calm. There was one uprising in Gaul, um, but that was suppressed. And that is a fair indication of actually how Caesar had actually devastated Gaul during his um, uh, conquest and and how um, suppressed the the Gauls were at that time. 
So the border remained essentially the River Rhine that separated the Roman Empire from uh, Germania and barbarian lands beyond. Um, Octavian secured his grip on power and established the Roman Empire and in the process gave himself the title Augustus, um, which is usually how he's he's known by. Um, it was actually under Augustus that the uh, Roman conquest of Spain was actually completed. Um, although Rome had controlled large parts of Spain right back for the previous 200 years, it actually took them uh, until uh, um, Augustus's reign to complete the conquest of Spain, uh, particularly the mountain territory to the northwest, um, on Cantabria. Um, and that that sort of conquest of Spain essentially uh, left Spain as a Roman uh, province right until the fifth century AD. Um, Augustus was also focused on securing the northern boundaries, and a lot of his effort was in uh, conquering the territory up to the Danube and focusing on forming the Danube as the sort of frontier of the Roman Empire to protect Italy and the Balkans. Um, and the Romans then started a process of trying to pacify the area beyond the Rhine, uh, apparently with the objective of using the River Elbe as the frontier. That has a huge advantage in that it reduces the length of the frontier quite considerably. Um, these plans were going ahead fine until um, 9 AD when uh, Varus and his three legions were destroyed by Arminius uh, in the Battle of Teutoburga Wald, Teutoburga Forest, however you care to uh, name it, and that really changed the situation um, switched the balance of emphasis and, and the Romans then adopt a more defensive posture um, looking to shore up the Rhine boundary rather than try and expand um, into um, the rest of Germany. Uh, and so things remained until 43 AD. Um, and that was the time when the Romans um, began their conquest of Britain. It was nearly 100 years. It was 55 and 54 BC that Caesar had first sent Roman expeditions into Britain. Um, and uh, it, the situation had essentially remained the same uh, until um, really Caligula was the first emperor to plan the invasion of Britain in 40 AD. Um, this seems to have been mainly because the political situation had changed in Britain. Um, but the Romans may also have been attracted by the mineral wealth they believed um, lay within Britain. Um, indeed, Britain had silver mines and, and of course, gold in the Welsh mountains. Um, the conquest of Britain, however, was to prove uh, long and hard. 
Um, if you think about Gaul, Caesar conquers Gaul in under 10 years. Admittedly, he uses eight to 10 legions to do it, um, but it actually took the Romans 40 years to conquer England and Wales. Uh, never complete, of course, the conquest of Scotland, and indeed they abandoned the southern uplands only eight years after completing the Antonine Wall, which uh, ran through the gap um, sort of between Edinburgh and Glasgow sort of area. Um, and of course, the Romans never even attempted to conquer Ireland. Um, there's, there's precious little evidence that a Roman army ever set foot in, in the island of Ireland at all. Um, so, um, yeah, England, England and Wales, Britain as it's known, um, really proved a tough um, province for the Romans to conquer. Um, they, of course, then hold it for um, three, over 300 years um, until sort of they abandoned Roman to, uh, Britain to its own devices in around 410. Um, the other major event that takes place is the Batavian or Batavian revolt, uh, which took place in 6970 AD. Um, the Batavi were a German tribe that lived along the Lower Rhine, um, what would be modern Netherlands. Um, and under their uh, leadership of uh, the hereditary prince, uh, uh, a Romanized barbarian called, known as Gaius Julius Civilis. Uh, he was actually an auxiliary officer in the Imperial Roman Army. And he and the Batavian, their allies, inflicted a series of defeats on the Roman army. Um, at the height of the revolt, they had actually destroyed two Roman legions and convinced two other legions to actually join their revolt. Um, after these sort of initial successes, um, if uh, basically an army of eight legions, actually led by a Roman general Quintus Petilius Serialis, um, he actually defeats the rebels. Um, and following peace talks, basically the Batavi submitted to Roman rule and um, although they were forced to accept uh, humiliating terms they actually uh, then continued to play a significant um, part as in providing auxilia to the Roman army. So that's broadly the history of uh, Rome in the northwest of Europe um, around the first century AD. In terms of um, the armies that are involved, um, so we have first off the uh, Roman army. Augustus was really responsible for reorganizing the Roman army after the civil wars. Uh, he um, took essentially the armies of, that he had himself recruited and those of um, uh, the Pompeian faction and of um, Antony and Cleopatra um, and organised it into about 30 legions which were um, stationed at the borders throughout the empire and um, is uh, recruited a similar number of 
auxiliar troops uh, who he standardised prior to Augustus, the auxiliary were sort of recruited on a very much a, an ad hoc basis. Um, and this was to form essentially the Roman military strategy for the next couple of hundred years, where the Romans essentially aggressively defended their borders. Um, their aim was to uh, make expeditions into sort of neighbouring territories, punish uh, anyone who opposed them and reward um, their allies. Um, and this they did right along the um, German frontier, along the Danube uh, and up the Rhine. And they used similar strategies in Britain uh, as well. Um, in terms of their opponents in Northwest Europe, the Gauls, Germans and Britons essentially followed the same military tradition. Um, tribesmen who used sword spears, swords and shields, um, supported by cavalry. Uh, only really in Britain did the sort of two horse chariot survive. That was uh, really a relic of earlier times. So the, um, the chariots supported um, by, in certainly in Britain, generally lighter cavalry, um, actually proved quite a quite a nuisance to the uh, invading Roman legions. However, on a straight matchup, the Roman legionary, he had helmet, armour, pilum, shield and gladius. And with the better drill, basically the Romans could outmatch the tribal armies. Um, and usually their defeats were when uh, they were ambushed or um, sifted very significantly outnumbered. Uh, looking in purely Meg terms, um, the early Imperial Roman army you'll find in the Italy list set. Um, the early Germans, ancient British, Scots-Irish, Batavian Revolt and Caledonian armies are all present in the Germany, Gaul and Britain list set. And you'll find the Spanish in the Spain, Sicily and Africa list set. Wow. <laughs> Thank you, Richard. <laughs> so, uh, yeah. Uh, yeah. So history and some more there. Um, Thank you very yeah, much. Yeah. It's a period a lot of people know quite a lot about, but hopefully that that gives a useful summary and perspective when looking at the lists. Yeah. Thank you. I mean, I've got one question for you off. From what you said just to, just my own interest really well hopefully other people's interest as well um it's it's really about what why did it take the romans so long to finally finish the conquest of spain i mean especially when you've already contrasted you know how relatively quickly the gauls were conquered say compared to the brits but you know the romans were in spain for 100 200 years before they finally finished them off I think I think the answer in that lies in the fact that the Romans had taken all the good bits of Spain. <laughs> um, uh, the into the south in particular, there were a lot of silver mines and that attracted the interest of the Roman nobles who were able to exploit um, the mineral wealth and, and take advantage of the trading network, which was, I guess, originally set up by the Carthaginians. Um, so they control the area around 
um, the Tagus um, in Lusitania, modern Portugal, uh, to the south in uh, Bitica, um, and also along the Mediterranean coastline. Um, but the far northwest of Spain really didn't have a lot um, to attract them. So as long as they could keep it sort of um, peacefully suppressed, there wasn't that urgency or um, glory, I suppose, for any Roman general to want to bother to to conquer the rest rest of Spain. Okay, that sounds plausible. I mean, I, d I do know that it's been suggested one reason they didn't push into Scotland so hard was what, <laughs> what is the what is there to make it worthwhile. <laughs> So it makes sense if... Uh, with apologies <laughs> to the Scots, um, you, you have to say if you're a Roman used to the warm temperatures of Italy, um, yeah, there isn't too much to make you want to go trudging over the highlands of uh, northern Scotland. <laughs> yes. OK, well, thanks for that, Richard. So it was just, uh, it was just uh, I thought, you yeah, know, we got this this very long period to conquer Spain, but Gaul, Gaul yeah, yeah. And actually, just, just one actual last thought on that, is, is wondering what made, what made Gaul so easily? Is it because it was actually more, I mean, one thing I, I vaguely remember reading is, is that Gaul was actually quite, or a great chunk of it was actually quite based around um, urban areas or relatively, relatively urban areas. Yeah, in fact, Gaul was becoming more civilized by the time Caesar conquers it. Um, some of the tribes already had a form of republicanism. Um, uh, so while many tribes still followed a sort of monarchy approach to rule, um, other tribes were were very much starting to follow a, a more um, settled um, sort of urban uh, urban in the context of ancient times, very different from urban today. Um, but um, yes, I, I think that probably assisted. I, I think the other fact is that Caesar had up to 10 legions in Gaul uh, <laughs> um, when he conquered it, whereas I don't think the Romans ever put more than four legions, um, plus about equivalent number of auxiliary into Britain. Um, so um yeah so i think that's probably why and caesar was perhaps a bit unique in his abilities yeah okay thank you and, and unless unless matt's got anything he wants to ask you i i'll move on to an army matt have you got anything uh no no I, i'm very interested i have to admit my um my roman knowledge of this period is very weak so um so no, it's useful to uh, just listen. Quite frankly, uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, my, my my Roman interest is the the other end of the empire, if you like, when 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 the West is falling. Um, so yeah, I'm always interested. Okay, I'll I'll move on and, and give you an army list based on the early imperial Roman list of the period we're talking about. Um, so I'm going to be the 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 imperialist aggressors here. Um, as Richard's already said, it's from the Italy book in the classical section. Um, early Imperial Roman does it does a, does appear in a number of our competitions, um, and a fairly common approach is to go with a German ally. 
which gives you a, a bit of bulk and some slightly different troops in there. Um, I've not gone that way, although I, I will put up a, an example of that sort of list on the blog, just for those who are interested. But I've gone for a, a, an entirely Roman army. So I've got the, the usual four commanders, four generals, um, three competent and one mediocre professional. Um, I have to have a fortified camp, but I've left that as poor. Um, couldn't find any extra points to, to upgrade it. Thought the points were better spent elsewhere. Um, the composition, which I will come to in a moment, has given me a PBS of seven cards and a scouting of three. And three is not unreasonable in my view, and um, certainly better than the, the Roman I usually use at the other end, the, say the fourth, my fourth century Roman, which has less. Anyway, from, from the top, after the I've gone for two units of the Equites Cavalry, one of six bases and one of four. The six base one is drilled loose, superior protected, unskilled javelin, short spear and melee expert. The four base is just average protected and skilled javelin. Um, doesn't have melee expert, but has shoot and charge. Um, to be honest, the shoot and charge was only in there because it used up points. And by a coincidence, took the list to exactly 10,000 points which I always see as a sign. It's a sign from the gods that something's right. Okay, that, that's my, my heavy cavalry section. I've then got three six base units of legionaries. One of them is upgraded to the Praetorian Guard. Um, these are drilled flexible, exceptional protected, impact weapon and shield cover, but not melee expert. I've saved some points there. Um, can't quite squeeze everything in. And then two other units of the, the legionaries of six bases again as superior impact weapon, shield cover and melee expert. I've got two six base tugs of auxilia, again drilled flexible, average protected, unskilled javelin, short spear, melee expert. And then I've gone for two more units of legionaries, um, small ones, there's four base ones this time. Um, and each of these have got one of the um, attached um, light artillery that the list allows. So I've got three bases that are drilled flexible, average protected impact weapon shield cover. And the fourth base is the same, but adds experienced light artillery to it. And so I've got two of those units. Um, then gone for some skirmishing troops, some Equites Sagittari, um, skirmisher cavalry, average unprotected experienced bow, Cantabrian combat shy, some light horse, which are basically the same, but javelin armed, and then a unit of archers who are infantry skirmishers, average unprotected, experienced bow, combat shy. Um, so I think that you know, especially the archers is probably a little unusual for uh, imperial early imperial Roman armies I've seen out there. But I am I have been persuaded over time, as has been mentioned previously on this podcast by Richard, about the the efficacy of having some skirmishers, and I, I'm totally sold on it basically. So getting a unit of infantry archers as well as some mounted skirmishers was almost almost the first things on the list before the legionaries even if you like. Um, this would make one point about the Praetorian Guard because um, as I said they don't have melee expert but they are exceptional. Um, this means that in prolonged combat in the melee combat they're basically the same as the superior legionaries but being exceptional they've got that extra punch when in the charge phase because they're one quality level higher. 
Um, and being exceptional as well, you can always always think about breaking them off against some troops, even if they have to take a cab test. Um, exceptionals, not that risky because it's only on a white. So my thinking behind this army really is it's got three good units of leaderies that provide a, quite a hefty punch. Um, and especially if we say looking in the context of the armies we're talking about today, um, they're, they're going to be the best infantry you can get, basically. But obviously they're expensive. You can't get that many. Um, also got the the superior equities who are melee experts. So they're also there as a punch. Um, the auxilia realistically are probably going to be holding troops. But again, they've got melee experts. So even against the hard charging barbarian types that no doubt some of these other lists will have, um, if they can ride out the impact at the charge phase, they're probably better than the barbarians in prolonged combat due to the melee expert. Which is a bit really Richard was talking about when he talked about the armies, this, the equipment, the drill, the practice, all, 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 all adds up. Um, in terms of sort of the, the wider context of how I would approach a battle, um, especially against a barbarian army, the Roman army will be quite a bit smaller. So you're quite possibly looking for a secure flank so that you can. And then really, it's it's probably going to be quite unsubtle in some ways in massing those three really good units of legionaries and the the superior equites as your punch. Probably you've got the light horse and the archers who can maybe soften things up on the way. And You've always got those two small units of legionaries with the light artillery who can shoot overhead. You know, they're not gr that great in combat. You know, they don't have a melee expert, but they do have impact weapon, but they can shoot those artillery overhead just to, again, add to the attrition or slow people up. Um, the smaller unit of equites, very likely to be something of a delaying force. Um, sit, hold things up. But, you know, again, maybe four, you could, certainly four bases, you might be able to insert it in a small space, get on a flank. You know, the whole army is drilled, um, which can be really useful. Those cavalry can all evade if they need to because they've got unskilled javelin. And again, being drilled means it's cheaper to do the post-evade um, reactions like turn 180 and move or move away again that you can do after an evade move. Um, that's when drilled cavalry can really, really make a difference. Okay, so that's my, my army I'm bringing to the table. Um, I will now leave it to Richard and Matt to tell me what they think about it. Ask me any questions about it. Over to you guys. Okay, um, well, it look, looks um, a fairly typical solid Roman army to me. Uh, one that I wouldn't particularly fancy um, fighting. Um, that, as you say, you've got a very solid punch. Um, the trick with the punch is always to make sure you're punching at enough opponents um, so that you're getting near to the break point of the army. Um, and and with the drill, you should be able to achieve that. Um, one of the other advantages of drill troops is that they can shift the one base width sideways on a green and do that as part of a double move. Um, so you can actually point. shift the point of attack um, quite effectively with drilled troops, which isn't an option 
uh, for formed or tribal troops. Um, so yeah, um, um, good solid arm. The the actually the um, three scouting is also helped by the fact that PBS is seven. So you've always got the option of retaining a card uh, if you wish to do so from the PBS. And um, this this is an army that isn't worried by terrain at all. If it's not, uh, um, I mean, the the entire set of infantry are flexible. Um, so um, terrain is not going to be a problem for it. Indeed, yeah. Your thoughts, Matt? Um, yeah, pretty much the same. Um, what, what interests me about early Imperial Roman is whenever I see it on the table, it always seems to be fighting in open spaces. But as you've just said, actually, the entire damn army can fight in nasty terrain. And I actually, in some ways, have a theoretical opinion it probably fights better in that kind of a terrain setup because it, it, it mitigates just about everybody's cavalry. But uh, I don't know. And the other thing that uh, popped into my head whilst uh, Nick was talking about the Praetorian Guard is actually they're the most exceptional, uh, ironic pun there, <laughs> elephant hunters in the game. Because the melee expert doesn't count against elephants, so anybody of heavy infantry style just doesn't work. But send the Praetorians after elephants, and they, they, they have a slight better chime than most people. Well, the, uh, I, the... If I was using elephants, I wouldn't want to charge the Praetorian Guard because the Praetorian Guard's be exceptional and impact weapon have four claims. Yeah. And the, ele yeah. the elephants will have one. Yeah. Yeah. So, so <laughs> I, I have this. Good impact. Yeah. <laughs> I, I have this almost asterisk feel to it of you chasing elephants across the table with the Praetorian Guard, <laughs> you know, banners What's waving. What's worse for the elephants is that light artillery. Um, are also <laughs> extremely good elephant hunters. Um, if you're going to try and shoot down an elephant, a, um, a bolt from a, a scorpion is going to be the sort of thing you want to be using. <laughs> so I've accidentally dis designed a, a good elephant killing army. <laughs> yes, I, I don't think the Romans ever set out to... Uh, um, uh, equip their armies to kill elephants, but they um, they seem to have been quite good at it. The the classification of exceptional for Praetorian is is um, it's perhaps worth discussing the context of that because in technically the Praetorian Guard would have only been present in a Roman army uh, had the Emperor been present as well. Um, I don't believe there's any situation where um, Praetorian Guard would have accompanied um, anyone but the Emperor. I, I have um, a funny feeling Germanicus had Praetorians with him. It's, it's well, somewhere in Tacitus. You have to be careful because the term Praetorian actually meant any bodyguard or okay. an officer. Um, so it's, it is possible because he was of the royal family. Uh, the emperor's family, mm -hmm. um, but um, by and large, it was only the emperor who was accompanied by the Praetorian Guard. Yeah. Whether they were actually that exceptional um, compared to perhaps other veteran legions is open to doubt. Um, but of course, they can always be downgraded to superior um, if 
uh, if the player so um, believes that their Praetorian should be exceptional. <laughs> it's really hard to downgrade something from exceptional, <laughs> especially in, in this case, because if you don't take the melee expert there, they're only five points of base more expensive. <laughs> yeah. Which you're getting that impact advantage in the charge phase. So just on that, it did, it did cross my I meant to mention that with those three units, the Praetorians and the two superior legions, I, I might also be tempted to deploy them four wide with this two in the second rank. To, to So you've got a 12 wide punch because the chances are they will be up at it in the charge phase. Uh, yeah, it's um, it's certainly an option. Um, I've, I've seen uh, I've seen them even being deployed initially one deep, and then contracted into your four wide two two ranks behind formation as well, just to give extra flexibility of deployment. Yeah, well, that comes back to your point about picking the point of attack, isn't it, to to maximise your chances? Okay, well, and and unless Matt has got any more to say on my list, I think we should hand over to him to uh, present one of his lists. Yeah, well, I, I, will, I will follow the vague Roman theme, uh, Roman army theme, and go with the Batavian Revolt as, uh, as my next choice. Uh, uh, so, um, for those that, uh, as, as Richard said earlier, it's, uh, it's a mix of trained auxiliary troops and traditional tribal troops now the list i've chosen or the one that i, I played around with is um it has to have a talented or legendary commander to represent the uh, the leader of the revolt so i've gone with a talented uh, i've then taken a external chat ally and he's also talented and then two subs, one of which is competent, one of which is mediocre. They're all instinctive, um, which gives, um, well, make, makes for an interesting list. Anyway, so um, the Chatai ally, I've chosen three blocks of nine warriors. Now, the Chatai have an upgrade for their front ranks to put them to, uh, sorry, the one third of the tug may be upgraded to superior. So they end up being... The entire unit is tribal flexible, protected, devastating charger with a, 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 a veneer on the front of superior warriors. So I've taken three tugs of those. Um, then I've taken what is known as the Chatai Fierce Cavalry, which are formed to lose superior, protected, unskilled javelin, short spear, horse killers, shoot and charge. Now, horse killers is a, a recent addition to the lists, and it, it basically means that as long as the the, the cavalry are fighting other cavalry and have not at any point during the game moved more than four, they count as melee expert against other cavalry. Quite a nice little um, bonus. Um, yep. Very useful. Yeah. So, so, that, so that's the ally, a block of four units, four tugs. Um, I've then taken the two compulsory Batavian tribesmen um, units which are infantry tribal loose average protected devastating charger two blocks of eight and as it's the batavian revolt quite frankly i felt i had to take the maximum of the deserters so 
what you end up with is the deserter cavalry, which are cavalry drilled loose, average protected, unskilled javelin, short spear, melee expert, shoot and charge, block of six. Then two blocks of eight auxilia, who are infantry drill flexible, average protected, unskilled javelin, short spear, melee expert, shoot and charge. So that's uh, nine tugs. I then went for six sugs, two of which are archers, so two blocks of six, uh, standard, average, unprotected, experienced bow, combat shy. Then four blocks, four sugs of javelinmen, which are infantry skirmishers, average, unprotected, experienced javelin, combat shy, blocks of six. Uh, I downgraded two of them to poor, so there's a total of four average, including the archers, and two poor sugs. Um, and that essentially is the list. It gives it a PBS of six and a scouting of three. Um, not much you can do unless you take the legendary general, quite frankly, or you max out on the cavalry, which isn't what I wanted to do. Um, so, yeah, that's basically the list. My thoughts on how to use it were basically the Chatai being tribal flexible with the veneer of superior. They sit in a hill, sit in a gap, wherever. They're, they're, they're there, you're holding force, basically. Uh, the Batavian tribesmen there to control terrain, ideally more than three from the edge, because the last thing I need is command and control issues with those. And essentially, the vague plan for me in this army was to take the drilled deserters under a talented instinctive army commander in conjunction with all the skirmishers and try and work a flank. Basically, um, use the chat eye to annoy, irritate, stand in front of people generally look hard and try and cave a flank in. That was basically where I went with that army. Um, the other thing I'm interested in what Richard said, just slightly digressing from the army listening into the history, I always like to have a look at the history of, of, of an army just, just, just to get the general feel. And what interests me about that entire revolt process is there's an initial four legion component, two of which are destroyed, two of which are rejoined the rebellion. Vespasian then sends a further eight legions to deal with the situation. So that's over a third of the entire Roman legionary contingent for the empire in one place. Eight of those legions are under, I can only assume, Vespasian's best buddy, because he's literally handed over a third of his entire army force to somebody else and said, go away and deal with something. So that was I find that really interesting. And I wonder how much of, at the end of it all, the humiliating terms were genuinely humiliating terms, or Vespasian handed over a large amount of cash and said, tell you what, let's go back to how it was, and we're sorry. It just... Well, the, the Batavian capital was basically destroyed and a legionary fortress slapped on top of it. <laughs> at Domingan, I think, is in yeah. the Netherlands. So it certainly wasn't... Uh, status quo um i think i mean the vespasian is very new to the job um he has sort of gained the support of the eastern legions after there have been sort of two quick changes of empire emperor um and he I mean, you're right in that he has given basically control of the army to his best buddy, um, because you're right. I mean, if if um, if with a, that force, if the general decided he wanted the 
laurels of empire for himself, um, Vespasian would have been hard pressed. I think it's fair to say. However, I think I think the troops were loyal to Vespasian, not to their general, um, because they had. Um, I think many of them had actually come from the east, where they had um, Vespasian had commanded them in the Judean revolt. So. Um, I don't think Vespasian was taking too much of a risk. It's interesting. Well calculated. I've, 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 I've got one quick question before we move on to looking at Matt's list in, in ourselves. Is, is is that point that Matt just said, you know, and you'd mentioned with the history bit that two legions joined the revolt to begin with. Um, but of course, the list itself doesn't have any legions. So I assume there's a reason for that. They um, they didn't actually fight. Um, although they joined the revolt, they actually melted away, oh, uh, right. which is why they don't appear as legionaries in the. Um, uh, in, in fact, well, I think one legion was actually disbanded and its troops um, scattered amongst other legions. I think the second, I can't, I can't remember what happened to the second one. Um, but uh, yes, they, um, that, that's why the list itself doesn't include uh, Roman legions. Gotcha. Oh, well. Uh, can I, can I comment on the list itself? Because there are a couple of things you didn't mention, Matt, which I find quite interesting. Uh, one is that you went with a fortified camp. Oh, sorry. Yes, I did. Um, uh, that, that's been some bad experience in recent games. I've got a little twitchy about camps these days. And as it's only <laughs> nine rather than 11 for a barbarian-ish army, shall we say, I felt uh, a fortified camp was a good option at this point. Yeah, fair, fair, fair dues. I, I don't have a problem with it as a selection. I think it it works quite well with the army. Um, your, your, so your command structure, you have talented instinctive army commander as you mentioned you've got the talented ally so you're not taking any chances with the ally um, and then competent and mediocre instinctive commanders um, is that actually um, i think that's probably sufficient isn't it for um because you've got Five tugs, uh, excluding the ally, you have five tugs and six sugs, and you've got um, nine cards with which to command them. Yeah, so I'm you are relying a bit on tugging your sugs. You are, and I'm also thinking that the mediocre instinctive would actually probably command a unit of the Batavian deserter auxilia and an attachment of archers that he can tug along. Uh, so, uh, and and do it that way. Um, it, it's one of those I'd have to put it on the table and play with it. I mean, I, I think for what I think I want to use it for, it's enough. Uh, the talented on the chat eye is because even if the infantry is not moving, it does mean that his cavalry, which I think uh, will be fairly integral in part of the plan, will be able to move fast and rapid uh, wherever I need them. So. Um, and again, I didn't need them unreliable at the start of the game. Yeah, I think I'd agree. I think this is one army where 
if if that lot were unreliable, you you're really you you're heavily on the back foot. <laughs> yes, very much so. So I, I think it, this is one way it's a sensible move to to load up on the the talented. Um, you, I'm not sure I would use the chatty defensively personally. I think uh, I I think you use them to pin an opponent down because that they're they're a considerable chunk that can't be ignored. Um, I think I think I think it's too significant a proportion of the army to actually just sit passively on a hill somewhere and and, and hope the um, enemy comes to you again That's a no. fair comment and but anybody who plays me knows that i can't sit still for more than five minutes anyway so <laughs> <laughs> they'd be off the hill fairly rapidly i have to say that i think the one thing i'm not so keen on on this list matt is whilst i uh, you know as we said mine i've quite a fan of skirmishers but most of your skirmishers are javelin men um so which have a, a a very limited range of shoot for their shooting and and basically can get run down or caught by almost anybody fairly easily um, I, I, I don't disagree their actual main purpose well i can only have 12 archers so i couldn't have any right. more than, or, or, yeah. than that in the list but I was actually looking at them more as an ablative shield for the Chateau because they've got this thin veneer of superior and I don't want that worn away prior than I absolutely need it. So the, the poor would probably be the ones in front of those. But um, no, I don't disagree. And it also gave me three scouting cards. Uh, of course, yes. What, what sort of terrain would be, you be thinking of aiming for? What would be your ideal terrain with this army? Um. I'd actually quite like a table that's very heavily covered in nasty stuff. Um, <laughs> proper German woods. Proper German woods, yeah, oh, yeah. Batavian marshes would do quite well. Oh, yes, indeed. Oh, yes, yeah, yeah. Um, um, yeah, I'd, I'd, I'd look to use it as a rough terrain army, but the, 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 the nicety of the chateau means that, you know, if I need to stand something in the open, and, and to be fair, the drilled flex auxiliary are actually not... Um, weak troops in the open particularly you know close order short spear melee expert um oh the other thing that I, I, I i'm increasingly becoming a fan of shoot and charge even on unskilled troops the extra three or four dice if you can get the charge in of blacks is just the odd wound here and there and I, I lose count of the number of games where I think I just needed one more wound to break them. Or, you know, I just needed one more. Of I just needed half of, yeah. So for what is relatively cheap cost, unless I can find anything better to spend the points on, I'm, I, I'm a big fan that if it's there, I'll use it. It's not always going to happen because Javelin's obviously short range and you have to get close to use it. But it, it, yeah, I, I think it's worth having. I, I can see that. I think, you know, I think especially... Um... Horse archer armies are getting a bit more popular, and and that's a way infantry can can get get to grips with them. Yeah, I'm sure we've we've mentioned that before. Okay, so in which case shall, shall we now move on to to Richard's army? Um, hey, so I've gone for early German chatai. <laughs> um, <laughs> So um, <laughs> got some similarities with Matt's then. <laughs> yeah, this is actually an army I have used in in competition. Right. So um, 
I just tweaked it slightly for the 2022. Um, but it's essentially um, a it's a chat eye with a Tenkteri ally. Uh, I hope I pronounced that correctly. So I've got a talented instinctive army commander, two competent instinctive subs and a talented ally. Um, it gets six PBS and two scouting, um, so it's not going to do particularly well in the scouting stakes, but my experience is it sits there and I don't expect, uh, it, it deploys almost uh, without having to worry about how your opponent is going to deploy because they're going to have to take it on anyway. Um, so it has... Um, uh, 11 tugs and two sugs in my case. Um, the It has two tugs of cavalry, um, one average of four, very similar to um, Nick, your choice basically. Oh, one right. average of four, protected unskilled javelin short spear, and then one of six, which is mm -hmm. formerly superior protected unskilled javelin short spear horse killers. Uh, the horse um, killers again. <laughs> yeah, too good to resist. Um, but it's sorry to butt in, but it's not that expensive in points terms, is it? Because it's limited to only fighting against cavalry. Yeah, and you get the melee expert benefit against cavalry, and you're restricted to staying under four. If you go above um, skirmisher speed at any time for any reason, then you lose the horse killer benefit. So you just show, usually, the idea is you show a light infantry base as a marker to indicate the horse killers. Um, along with that, I have uh, nine uh, tugs of um, basically tribesmen, all infantry tribal flexible. I have two units of Chatai noble warriors who are all superior protected deck chargers. Um, uh, one, two, three, four tugs of ordinary Chatai warriors who are um, nines. Three are superior and have to deploy in the front rank. Six are average and deploy in the two ranks behind. One thing with the nines is that you can't go to two wide. You've got to be at least three wide. Um, but with the front ranks superior, I don't usually mind that. I then have um, a unit of um, six. Uh, in fact, sorry, two units, no, one unit of six um, ordinary warriors who are just tribal flexible average protected dead chargers. That's that's the compromise to get me up to 11 tugs. And then I have two units of tank terry infantry, uh, one of nobles and followers who are the superior, the six, and then a unit of nine uh, tribal flexible average protected dead chargers. So a very solid chunk of infantry, basically. Um, the skirmishing support is a unit of archers, uh, just standard skirmisher average unprotected experience, bow combat shy, and then a unit of six um, tank terry cavalry who are skirmishers average unprotected experience javelin, Cantabrian combat shy. Um, and it's a um, 
point and charge army, in my opinion. The territory type for early Germans is just forest. So <laughs> if you are defending, um, you've got the option of uh, all the benefits that forest can potentially bring. Um, although I have to say, most of the time, because of the six PBS um, and the way I tend to draw the cards in the PBS part, <laughs> um, I, I often end up fighting on almost open planes. Uh, but you can't have everything. Um, <laughs> this is true. So, yeah, it's it's not a particularly brainy army um, to use, but I've found it's good fun because... Uh, you end up rolling an awful lot of dice. Yes, I, I, I concur with that. After uh, at Beachhead, I think for the possibly the first time ever, I used a massed infantry dev charger type arm. I mean, you roll an awful lot of dice, and, um, and with the possibilities yeah. of, 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 of shatters in the charge phase as well, it can, it can be quite exciting. Yeah, the early Imperial Roman army would worry me with those Praetorians and superior legionaries. Um, I found that um, I have to get lucky at impact um, if I'm going to do anything. And my experience is that I'm not normally lucky at impact. <laughs> is this where I mention our game at Beachhead? <laughs> uh, no, you can, you could, that, that was... Uh, I had no complaints yeah. there at all. You no. were, uh, though, to be fair, it was probably more that you were unlucky rather than um, I was. Yeah, lucky. no, it, it, it's true, yeah. but it, it's uh, yeah. I, I might be slightly I, skewing I, the stories. I did, I did, I did use. Uh, it, this wasn't the exact army, but I did use a similar army against uh, Ray uh, Duggins at, um, and he had his three units of. So I think he was using the Threco Roman with the three units of six superior legionaries. And uh, I, I got lucky against one of the legionary units and killed two bases at impact. Oh, nice. And I then didn't take another base off it the entire rest of the <laughs> battle. Um, oh, I'm sure. Yes. Yeah. So, Any, anyway, should we back to your move list? On. Yeah, yes. let's move so, on. I, say, I have to say, you know, in terms of a list, it, it's really pretty tough, isn't it? Because of the, the the chatty having the superior front rank, it means in the charge phase they're equal to superior legionaries, but have the option have the possibilities of shatters. Um, you've got your two units of wholly superior nobles. It's 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 pr it's pretty tough. And I'd agree with you, a point you made on the nines for the, the warriors. Um, I, I think people could be often too willing to go into too, too wide and four deep. But the nines with the, the superior front rank, they're tough. They're tough. It also, I mean, it, it does quite well against shooty cavalry armies because you're getting the free charge from the fact that they're devastating charges. So you can use any cards to prompt through slowing effects and the superior front rank means any skilled shooting types are only getting the white s rather than the green dice so although i find you do get whittled down um because you're covering a wide frontage um it it, it generally can push um shooting cavalry armies right back to their rear edge and, and the three wide makes a big difference 
you it know, does. as a serial shooty cavalry user, I mean, if people deploy, you know, eights of barbarian infantry or whatever infantry too wide, you know, Happy I, I quite like that because you only need one wound to cause a slow. But three yeah. wide, you need two wounds. And it's it's really quite a big step, especially if you are only shooting on whites and even the white pluses. So, Agreed. You know, I'll, I'll, uh, I'll say, you know, all those people out there, <laughs> don't, don't just slam them in two wide. <laughs> Think about the three wides. So, uh, yeah, no, I mean, I think Matt, thoughts? Yeah, I also like it. I've seen Richard using this in action, funny enough, against Ray was, I think, the game that I was um, watching. And um, yeah, it's it's one of those armies that to fight it, you, you've, you've got to play very clever because it will run over whatever you leave in the wind, so to speak. It's, yeah, it's, it's wide and it's brutal. I'm not sure point and charge is the right way. I think point and batter is probably the, uh, <laughs> the way that army should be described. Um, no, I yeah. like it. The, the veneer is superior across that front is um, yeah, really yeah. quite special, I think, as you say, it, three wide as well. It oh, is, I, I good it's, choice. Yeah, to start with, just it provides quality on a wide front. Yeah. Um, you know, thinking back to my Roman army, if you can get through that front rank, it's really very squishy. And, and to be honest, even the front rank isn't, isn't great against superior melee experts because you, you're down you, you, you don't have the you don't have the skull in the in the melee phase but um you know if you've been a bit lucky with your you know if you've got your shatters going in in the charge phase it could be you know, it could be touch and go for both sides absolutely but it is again bucket load of dice once you start throwing large numbers of whites and blacks it, it does yeah it, it, it's yeah it's never easy from either side of the table. You're both there going, hmm, it could go horribly wrong. Yeah, yeah. I, 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 well, it's not early Imperial Rome. I've used my, my Imperial Romans against uh, uh, um, the, these war, big warband types. And yeah, it's, you start thinking, oh, excellent, I'm up in melee. But you, uh, but if you lost a couple of bases in the charge, it's all a bit, <laughs> it gets squeaky. So yeah, I think I think that's, uh, it's, it's, it's direct but effective. <laughs> I think will be mine, and you know, it's got got those couple of cavalry units, you know, and, and don't discount those fierce cavalry. You know, they're 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 effectively as good as the best cavalry I had in that Imperial Roman, early Imperial Roman, unless I can um, force the fierce cavalry to charge at some skirmishes and exceed their four base widths, and therefore lose the horse killers. It can be very effective. Anyway, shall, shall we move on to my second offering, which is, is an army I have never used, not that I've used it early Imperial Roman, but it's one I have faced, although I, have, I will say here I haven't just copied an army. I, this is all my own work, honest. So it's ancient British. <laughs> and um, again, like I mentioned about the early Imperial Roman, where it's quite often used with a... a a Chattai ally to get those infantry we were just talking about. Ancient British has a, a, a very obvious ally it can take. It can take an early Imperial Roman ally, um, which gives it a couple of units of legionaries if it wants them, some auxilia and if it wants, and a unit of the Equites cavalry. So that's a, that can be a really quite nice um, drilled, flexible um, component to the army. Again, a bit like the, the um, Roman and deserters in your Batavian army, Matt. 
except I decided not to go for that. I'm quite deliberately not go for it because uh, because that seems to be the one. So I've gone for a, a wholly British army, um, which has come out with 19 units. <laughs> it's got 11 tugs and eight sugs. And at this point, I can I have to I can't resist any longer to to say that. Um, yeah, I think to be using a lot more skirmishers than Richard, who has been Mr. You Must Use Skirmishers in your list, armies, for, for the past couple of years. And I'm feeling quite smug that he's only taken two. My Roman had three and this Brit's got eight. <laughs> so we, 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 I, I'm exceeding him. And, and, and as did your, your Batavian, Matt. So, yeah, we, 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 we've clearly become um, disciples of the... Uh... Of the process and taking yes, it a step and, further, and, and with the zeal of the convert, we're going even further. <laughs> the, the original <laughs> advocate. Anyway, back to oh, back, back to my army. Right, I've gone for a talented, instinctive army commander, and then three competent, instinctive sub commanders. So I, I think a, a lot of time people would expect this sort of army to have two talented and two competent. So I've I've compromised there, partly on some choices made in the other units um if people really wanted to there's some fairly obvious swaps you could make to get back that um second talented general if you really wanted to you'd probably end up losing a couple of the sugs um it's not got a fortified camp i haven't got i i've i've resisted the idea of i'm not even sure brits can have a fortified camp so i've got poor unfortified camp um the PBS comes out at seven and the scouting comes out as a nice whopping five because as I will describe shortly I've got quite a bit of light horse skirmishing cavalry and also sugs of infantry plus chariots Richard mentioned the Brits still use chariots so I've gone for all the chariots it can have in the list I've got four tugs each of six bases of chariots which are formed loose average Protected for two of them, uh, superior protected for the other two, experienced javelin and short spear. Um, two units of nobles and followers, these are infantry, tribal loose, superior protected, devastating charge. Six bases, like a lot of these, um, well, most, I think, of these barbarian armies, their superior noble infantry can only have six bases rather than eight. I've then got three units of the ordinary warriors who are tribal loose, average protected, devastating charges. Two of those are in nines and ones and eight. Um, I've gone for the nines on two of them just for the bulk, the resilience. Uh, I, th I think they're quite nice. And then I've got two units of families. These are basically junk <laughs> to bulk up. So I get to 11 tugs. They're tribal loose, poor, unprotected, combat shy. Each of 10 bases, but each of those bases is only 11 points. So 220 points gets me from nine to 11 tugs. I think they're, they're well worth it. But if anybody gets to them, they are going to die oh so quickly. But obviously you hope nobody gets to them. <laughs> still, you've still got to take five bases and a wound off them. So they don't die yeah. instantly. No. But I don't think you can rely on them holding up. But I, I wouldn't do what some people do and put those just put them at the back anywhere near the camp. Because if somebody kills them really quickly, they might just follow up, they might pursue straight into your camp. Uh, I've, I've, 
yeah. give you give your opponent an easy way into your camp. You know, hide them away, you know, in a swamp, <laughs> on on a wooded hill or something. Yeah, just, just since you mentioned it earlier, ancient British can have either a flexible or a fortified oh, camp. Yes. Okay, flexible could be interesting because if you defend, you get um, fortified, don't you? Yeah, presumably a hill fort. Presumably a hill fort, indeed, yes. Um, so there we go. Anyway, on to my Sugs. I have three Sugs of the British cavalry, who, as Richard intimated in his historical bit, are skirmishers, not actual cavalry. The, the Brits not being up to actually having battle cavalry. These are cavalry skirmishers, average unprotected, experienced javelin, combat shy and Cantabrian. Um, three units of slingers. These are infantry skirmishers, average unprotected, experienced sling, combat shy. They're all nine bases. And then a nine base and a six base of javelin men, infantry skirmisher, poor unprotected, experienced javelin, combat shy. Um, and I suspect those would be the two units you would leave if you wanted that second talented general, because that'd be 250 points, which is probably the difference between a competent general and a talented general. Unless I'm thinking of professionals. I think it's a little bit more, but I may be wrong. All right. Anyway, it's a, it'd be an option. Those are like could be ones. Anyway, so 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 there we are. I mean the. The concept behind this army would be to, like a lot of these barbarian armies, a lot of the time you might want a lot of terrain to operate the loose infantry and all those skirmishes in. Doesn't doesn't really help you against Romans, as already pointed out. The Romans are uh, flexible, so they can go, oh, it's terrain, we don't care. <laughs> so they can still be nasty. Um, it's it's sort of a, a shooting army, really. You've got the, the three units of slingers, They've got a reasonable range with sling of three base widths. Everything else is javelin, which isn't ideal if, for 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 an army relying on shooting. But obviously, the best the Brits can get. But I think you'd have to work. You'd be looking to work the chariots and the light and the skirmishing cavalry in combinations, where where the the, the chariots um, maybe are going to be closer to the enemy and perhaps running away. And you're hoping that the skirm the skirmisher cavalry can then shoot at whatever's charging them, make the benefit of their Cantabrian and so count as skilled shooters and have that combat working those combinations. Um, unlike Richard's Cate, you wouldn't be leading with the infantry. <laughs> you'd want to give your skirmishers plenty of time to try and wear down the enemy. Um, but when you did go in, I think you'd want those two units of nobles and followers going in together although they can't be both in the same command. Again, like most of these barbarian armies, the nobles and followers are limited to one superior UG per command because they are the followers of the general rather than a universal resource. As I've already said, families, put them somewhere safe. Um, make sure that the opponent has to go through most of your army before he gets to those. Um, and the, like the like the Romans, this army came out at exactly ten thousand points, <laughs> and um, don't think I've ever created two lists together. So it's definitely one where you will have to do a lot of thinking about your shooting, getting your ganging up your shooting, making those decisions about when to skirmish and when to run away. Which is again why I've I've kept all those slingers 
as average rather than maybe downgrading them as you might in some armies um, because they're going to be operating on their own you want to keep them in the game as long as possible before they get they get run down even though they don't count as towards your army break point um, and hopefully you'd only be throwing the warriors in to finish something off um, because they're you know tribal loose average and dev charger aren't the greatest troops but they can certainly finish somebody off or putting them somewhere where you hope they can die slowly to hold up while you do something else anyway that 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 was my thinking around this army um certainly not the sort of army i would normally use but maybe i would use it just to be different anyway richard and matt what do you think of that as an ancient british army uh yeah i i i quite like the idea of I, it's almost a sort of ambush army isn't it you, mm, yeah you see cavalry the skirmishes to wear down your opponent and then you keep your infantry in a wood somewhere and burst out upon the enemy when they've already been weakened is the sort of view i have of this army i've just checked and in fact upgrade from competent to talented is 250 points um so i think i personally i think i'd drop the two javelin men um and have a, ta a second talented sub uh, talented sub general personally i i don't think it changes the scouting if you do drop those did. i don't think i'd worry about it too much i think i'd i'd like the extra um command ability to move move the troops around um i having used chariots at beachhead i have to say i'm quite a fan of them um they did a good job uh in the games that i played um yeah i, I um i'm again as, as i say i think the families you spread out on the rear of the table and force your opponent to try and march across the table to attack them which gives you plenty of opportunities to wear him down with those um, skirmishes. Yeah, I think my, my biggest concern after drawing this up was I'm not sure it's an army that has a plan B. Uh, I think that's probably fair to say. I, I'd be worried about time constraints for getting results in a competition, but um, um, that, that's the only concern I'd have with this arm. Okay, Matt. Uh, it's very close to the ancient British Panzer division, isn't it? So, what are those chariots? <laughs> I might have had that at the back of my mind. <laughs> um, so, so, so I'll go to Jack for those for those younger players out there who don't remember that the ancient British Panzer division was a term coined way back in the. 70s and 80s for WRG 5th edition, where you, you just sort of maximised out on the chariots and slingers, probably. Um, and, and under those rules, that turned out to be quite effective. Hence, so generally it became known as the Ancient British Panzer Division. Yes. Sorry, Matt, over to you again. <laughs> no, no, no. It's, it's, yeah, I, I, I remember the term. Yeah, you're probably right. It probably does go back that far. Um, I, I, I like it. It's not my style of list. I think I'd get myself into some horrible knots with it. Um, I've fought a few ancient British armies, which use the Romans, um, which give it that um, open uh, table space. 
I, I, yeah, I think my only concern is if you ended up on a billiard table, you're going to yeah, struggle, I think. That, that's my gut feel to it. Anyway, I like it, but yeah, have to see it in operation. Yeah, I think it's fair to say it wants the, a couple of pieces of terrain, doesn't it? <laughs> you know, yeah. but if, if, if it's, I would say if it's complete, if it's massively open, you, you've got four units of the chariots, the three skirmishing cavalry uh, and the slingers. Um, they're, they're all mobile. They all move quite quickly and, and shoot. So, yeah, I don't think it's the end of the world. I wouldn't personally think it's the end of the world. No, no, I, I'm not saying it's the end of the world. I think I think I'd struggle for trying to fight <laughs> oh, with that. I'm not sure I can use this army. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's a it, it's a it's a good combo. I've always liked the ancient British list and those chariots, particularly the superior versions. Are, um, yeah. Yes, I, I was disappointed. Only half of them could be superior. Probably very reasonable. <laughs> <laughs> But uh, yeah, so you know, it's it's. I'd be interested if somebody wanted to try it. And I think that the five scouting could really help. Yeah, and and the oh, seven PBS as well, and 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 the seven on the PBS. So you you know, if that red card turns up in your PBS, you can just slide it sideways and keep it. Yeah, yes, yeah, that was the point Richard made with, with the Romans. What well, my Romans wasn't it that you can always perhaps hold one back and get it. And sevens with these sort of barbarian armies is it. Is unusual without a legendary general. Mm. Well, if, if if we have come to the end of that list as well, perhaps we can move on to our fifth and final list, which is having had a preview of this. I think it's a Matt special list. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, we possibly saved the best till last, or uh, well, the daftest till last. Right? Um, it could just be that weird genius time. Um, I, I, so I, I will I, just let you get on with it, Matt. Thank you. I, I will put a caveat on the end of this. Uh, that having designed this list, I, I had a slight bit of reflection, so I, I will make a tweak. But I'll talk about. I, I will. I will discuss what I sent you, and then I will. I will say what what the tweak was. Shall we say? Right. So. Spanish Iberian. It just tweaks into the early imperial era. I think it ends about the same time as the early imperial Romans starts. So, um, I think I'll do the design first. The list is heavy on tribal loose impact weapon infantry. It also can have significant uh, noble and noble and foreign followers which are the, the tribal loose superior impact weapons but in blocks of six and they have to be in separate command so i i having looked at the list having looked at the batavian one i've written before then i i just felt that as a combat force the list just didn't work for me i just couldn't see how i'd win in combat so my design theory went as the Iberians are allowed up to two external Spanish allies, I was going to look to create basically a holding block or, or flank blocks of infantry and concentrate on what the Spanish were traditionally very good at, which was the light horse contingents. So with, with that in mind, this is what where, where, where the list went. Um, so competent instinctive CNC, I then took two external, talented, instinctive Celt-Iberian allied commands. 
and then a mediocre instinctive internal subgeneral. So, so, so that was where it's where I started. Uh, I went with a flexible camp because again, I felt given what the list is going to come out like, uh, it didn't need to lose the camp and be forced into camp tests. Uh, so the list went um, two two tugs of ally warriors, which are infantry, tribal flexible, average protected, and they are devastating charger. Uh, two blocks of nine, which is enough to cover the um, minimums required for each list. Um, there were then three tugs of eight Iberian warriors. Now they're tribal loose, average protected impact weapon. Then uh, Celt-Iberian mercenaries, so on the main list, which are again infantry, tribal, flexible, average, protected, devastating charges, two blocks of eight of those. And then two blocks of four Iberian cavalry, which are cavalry, form loose, average, protected, unskilled javelin, short spear, two blocks of four. That's it for your tugs. Nine tugs, basically, for a barbarian army. So as you can see, I'm out of special. We then get round to the sugs. And this is where it gets interesting. Basically, you take four allied light horse sugs, which are cavalry, skirmisher, average, unprotected, experienced javelin, Canterbarian. Oh, me and that damn word. Anyway, Cantabrian, uh, I think. Cantabrian, I know. You, you did think I'd have it stapled on my forehead. Anyway, Cantabrian. Uh, anyway. So four blocks of six of those. You've then got three, or actually, sorry. Um, uh, you've then got two allied best light horse, which are skilled javelin and don't have that wretched Cantabrian. Um, you then have from the main list um, two units of infantry skirmishers, which are the experienced javelin short spear protected, two blocks of six. Uh, which are compulsory to list, so you have to have 12. Uh, and then an internal best light horse, which is cavalry skirmisher, average, unprotected skilled javelin. So what you end up with is a list that has 42 light horse that are <laughs> technically all skilled shooters. Um, three of them are genuinely skilled shooters. The other three are relying on the Contabrian. I'm going to keep saying it until it sticks in my head. <laughs> <laughs> Never, probably. I'll probably... The last words they utter in this world, damn Cantabrian. Anyway, um, and two units of infantry the skirmish sucks. So you end up with eighteen nugs, uh, a PBS of six because you can't get it over there unless you go for a talented general, and a scouting of six. Um, so that was the list I originally designed. I then realised that I'd made a rather significant. Um, faux pas in that I end up with the main army is seven tugs and then you have two allied tugs yet the main army only has five command cards so that's really not going to work particularly as most of them are um, for want of a better word impetuous so they're going to go ramming off chasing whatever they need to so I did a slight tweak um, which was I put all the Cantabrian light horse down to combat shy and that allowed me to swap to a talented and competent instinctive ally and put a talented instinctive subgeneral into the main list. So that's seven cards for seven tugs. 
given where I'm thinking how the army's going to use it, it's probably still not quite enough, but it would probably make it better. Worst case, the, consent, uh, the competent instinctive ally goes unreliable, but you're only losing slightly less than a third of the cavalry, and theoretically you should come online within the first four turns. That's the theory. Um, there you go. As you say, a bit of a special. Not yeah, I think, I think the changes you've made to the command structure improve it enormously. Um, first off, it gives it seven PBS cards. Um, and I, I think a talented and a mediocre is probably sufficient to control the um, seven tugs in the main army list. Um, it's not ideal, but it's, it would just about get away with it. Um, uh, I, I think I'm, I might be tempted to go for the double competent instinctive ally um, and improve this subgeneral. Um, and that actually gives you 150 more points, which would be interesting. Get more of the um, protected light infantry, which I think are really quite nice troops. Yeah, I, I, I'm, I, again, I used those in Beachhead um, and I nearly broke a unit, a tug, when fighting in difficult terrain with my sug, which uh, um, would, would always be a bonus as far as I'm concerned. Um, so, yeah, there's the, and I, I have to say, Plaudits for getting an army with seven light, the light horse, um, Cantabrian or skilled. That that's that's got to hurt, as they say. <laughs> um, I've just quickly done a, a quick. You can get two internal talented instinctive generals and the two competent instinctive allies for nine 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 eight points without changing the list. So you can do it that way as long as you're happy to take the risk of the allies which i think i probably would be being that they're light horse i'm, I'm you know i'm not losing uh, yeah i was about to say what are the odds of them both going on me probably pretty good though <laughs> in me but... <laughs> I, I think the quote is never tell me the odds isn't it yes yeah, that's right nine <laughs> times out of ten on a million to one shot yeah. it is yeah it's um yeah i think it's it's def it's yeah when, when you only sent this through i looked at it and went you what <laughs> um and and yeah, I mean, it, it's going to have, I think, a, a similar thing to my to my ancient British in that it's going to stretch the command. So, and, and I do think the the revised command that you and Richard have just discussed will be better. Otherwise, you're just not going to have have the command yeah. to to do what you want to do. Um, again, I think I think it's going to be an army that you, because you're going to be relying quite a lot on the shooting probably a bit less than the the british it's going to be a, definitely a thinking army but you've got more punch infantry can i, can I just ask a quick question on, on why you went for the celtiberian allies rather than say other iberians and what was it i suppose why did you want dev charger rather than impact weapon i i, I actually wanted the option for close order foot Right, it's it flexible as much as anything. Then. Yeah, it, it was if I needed to hold an open space or put a solid line down. Yeah. Um, 
and that was mostly it. It, it was it wasn't the army's not going to win on the infantry. They might put the blow in, but I, I, so I was a bit agnostic. So yeah, it was the close order option basically, which attracted me more to that. Yeah, I, I wouldn't want to face this with the, that British army of mine. Because you, your shooting's better, your infantry's tougher. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, it's uh, yeah. I'm, I'm looking at it thinking I just couldn't use it. I'm sure for some reason I could. You probably use the Brits more than this one, but <laughs> not that I'd be overly comfortable with that. The army it reminds me of was the Breton army which you can't take anymore that i used at one brick on <laughs> which had a ridiculous number of didn't that have something stupid like 10 pbs and something ridiculous like that. number of scouting oh, oddly when i put this list in i had richard's um an andalusian you ran which was seven tugs and eight light horse or something i can't remember which competition you ran it it was a it was an arabic uh, it was a sid army I seem to remember Elsid, was it? Yeah, yeah. And um, uh, yeah, which had the, sorry, which, which relied heavily on a, a large skirmishing contingent to um, yeah. pave the way. So that was my inspiration for where I started with that list. Um, now I've tweaked the command structure. I'm actually quite tempted to find somewhere to run this now. I mean, the <laughs> other thing, the, the other thing is that obviously the, the two small blocks of four Iberian cavalry are, are literally there to delay in either direction. They're there to mm. stand in front of people and just oh, slow yeah. them down, give the cavalry enough time to um, shoot. Yeah, I think, I think in, the, in the right circumstance, they can be the bit that stops the light horse being shoved around, aren't they? Mm. So it, it is, yeah. So that that is an incredibly interesting army map. There, there's uh, there's an another possible variant which substitutes Lusitanian allies for the Celtiberian allies. It wouldn't have the flexibles, which is your reason for choosing the Celtiberians. Um, but it's. Um, does provide some alternative options so the, the, they might be worth exploring as well the, the only reason i discounted those is they have a compulsory light infantry contingent so you would have to take um you would have to lose a unit a light horse and take an extra unit of light infantry for each i don't think that's true because you could take the kai the kaitrati would that you've got in your main list would become Lusitanian Kaitrati. No, they're compulsory, I, so I have, I have to take 12. Oh, even in the... Even in the Iberian list has to take 12. The oh, only one that it's that's not changed. compulsory for is the um, yeah, Celtiberians. Okay. Um, so maybe that doesn't quite... I would say, just, just, just again, look at Matt's list and those options you've just gone through. It, Sounds like the, those Spanish lists are more interesting than I would ever thought, especially when you get, the, get into the combinations that yeah. you possibly use and just the, the sort of weird. Because yeah. it, 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 I think there's, there's something that a really unusual, an army that people aren't expecting puts them on the back foot a lot of the time with a lot of players. They sort of look at it and go, oh, I've not played anything like this. How do, how, 
you know, if somebody plonks down, you know, like my Roman, well, you know what a Roman is, it's lots of heavy infantry and so on and so forth. This goes down, you're sort of going, eh? Well, yeah, and I mean, I went, so you've got the seven PBS now with the, the modified command structure and six scouting, so you've got a strong chance of the scouting win. Also, 18 Uggs, so you're only putting them down in you know, blocks of six or whatever. So it was kind of aimed so that the infantry a large chunk of the infantry can go down last and you you know you can point them to where you need to be that was my that's my big problem with barbarian armies is often you you signpost where your good attack is going to come from or is you know me and my obsessive need to uh, control my environment <laughs> <laughs> this works for me and as yeah. i say it's warming I, I may well end up having to do it i think at some point and run it out it, it, it's got that early russian feel about you know <laughs> play with toys and you know, see how it works it's just it's be your benchmark at the moment isn't it the early russians it very much so it was an army that i spent a lot of time thinking about it worked how i thought it was going to work i really enjoyed playing it you know and it's one of those i still want to get back out on the table so yeah maybe okay. for toil it would indeed okay okie dokie just a, other than a couple of questions obviously we we brought we designed all these lists on the basis of the historical theme. Um, and that's I, I, I was, I don't know how you guys did, but I approached it and thought, well, I'm, I'm looking for an effective army. Um, would, from the ones we've made up, would you use any of them in a more open competition or would you stick to something that's fairly themed, you know, probably classical theme? Or would, or would, you, would you be willing to risk any of them in, a, in, a, in an open competition? Oddly, I'd be willing to risk the Spanish, or, or, or not. Well, the, the the cat's a bit out of the bag, but it is an unusual combination of troops, and mm. they, they give people well, it's almost my benchmark, isn't it? Field something unusual and watch people go, uh. <laughs> <laughs> That's your win criteria. <laughs> yes, yeah, exactly. So the Spanish, yes, the Batavians, not so much, but that's just because it's not an army that appeals to me in its makeup. To be perfectly honest. I don't think it's a bad army, but not not one I'd run in an open competition. Richard, I think I probably wouldn't take the early German in an open competition. Um, I'd certainly be quite intrigued with running that Spanish one in an open competition. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, who knows? Yeah, I mean, I would say my, I, I'd probably be a bit the same. I, most, I think out of all of them, I'd, I'd be happy enough to run them in a classical theme competition. Um, probably the Romans and the Spanish as the choice. Romans, because I think I, I know, I, I think I can use them. Spanish, possibly more on a let's see if I can use it. <laughs> and maybe the Brits for the same sort of reason, you know, um, the the. The, so whatever reason the Batavian revolt doesn't excite me so much and I'm, I'm likewise I suppose the German because they're quite similar and I'm not sure I'd in a more open competition yeah probably not actually my preference for open competitions do drift back to the horse archers <laughs> so I, I think I'd have to be pushed into a corner with a pitchfork before I used any of these in a I'd, I'd just prefer to use something different so yeah 
Um, I'd, well, I had one last thought on Matt's army as well. I reckon that could look really nice with, say, the uh, lovely big Zeiston figures. I know. I've, I'm already thinking figures <laughs> and pretty patterns, and yeah, yeah, don't. don't. Oh yeah, though it has to be said, the the little big man shields. Some of them you have to cut into four parts to stick on the shields, and that that can drive you insane. Yes, I I, I did some mercenaries for my Syracusian Greeks, and I, I I do not remember that incident fondly. Doing yeah, I, I, I've I've got some for my early Carthaginians, and that's why I know. <laughs> Now I think, why did I do that? <laughs> yeah. However, I have to say, when it, when it comes to the, the, they are stunning once you they're done. Mm. Once once you get through the pain and the the, the the scissor cuts and everything, yeah, they they do look spot on. So I'm not not complaining about the quality. It's just yeah, the doing. Actually, whilst we're on figures, has anybody you know for for these armies we looked at any any other figure ranges spring to mind that would be recommended to the listeners out there? Um, I'm I'm actually quite partial to Essex miniatures for their Batavian Revolt early 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 Imperial Roman stuff. It, it, they're quite clean figures. They're not. And why not? I mean, you do a very good paint job on them, Matt. It must be said. You, you have you have the knack of bringing out the best in Essex figures. I, I, personally, I think I would probably have to, apart from the Spanish, where there's iced on one spring to mind. I think I'd probably have to search, do a search, and go looking for which figures I like. Um, and I know, Richard, you tend to hoover up bargains off eBay and and and, and fettle them up a bit, don't you? For rather than go out and say um, I'm going to buy a, 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 a an army from X supplier and paint it up. Yeah, that's that's mainly due to the absolutely tortuously slow speed that I paint, and the <laughs> fact that the results are not very good at the end of it either. <laughs> You become a master rebaster, baser. Yeah. yeah, I can do that. I don't mind basing. I don't know why. Just... <laughs> so yeah, um, well, to go to go with the the, the list on the podcast, I'll, I'll probably do a little bit of a search and put some recommendations up, and also some some recommendations for reading. I don't. I mean, there are a whole slew of ospreys, for instance, on the early Romans and some of their campaigns. I know they do a Teutoburger Wald one and a and a Mons Gropius one, uh, although that's slightly after the period we've covered, but pretty much. Um, has anybody else got anything they would, again, recommend to the listener if, you, if you're interested in these things? I mean, I suppose one of the major historical sources would be Tacitus, Richard? Uh, yes. I mean, in terms of books, actually, I would heartily recommend Simon Elliott's uh, excellent uh, books on the uh, Roman, can't remember the title now, um, The but on the Roman army, it has, it's absolutely gorgeous in its illustration. Oh, the, the sort of coffee table style one he did. did. Yes, I've, yeah. I've got that as well. It's very, it is very nice. Yeah. It's, uh, yeah, and, and very well written. Indeed. So, yeah. Matt, anything that, uh, and then you said it's not really your period normally, but anything you're... Um, you've honestly, the, 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 the ones um, I tend to reach for anything from Osprey for, for simple ease of um, information finding out and some pretty patterns. And the old WRG books, um, you know, 
uh, Punic Wars and um, and the like and the Imperial Roman Army one, or are they the same one? I can't remember. Um, uh, um, I think the period we've got to be the armies and enemies of Imperial Rome, the Phil Barker one. Yeah, and I think the Spanish actually turn up in the um, in the Punic Wars one. I think that's they where do. They're... You're right. Yes. So so the crossover on those two and all right, they're dated, but they are pretty good for um you know just filling it all in giving you ideas and uh, a lot of the shield patterns for the non-roman stuff's quite interesting so yeah well i'd i'd, I'd say that the the punic and macedonian one still holds up very well i think mm-hmm. the 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 enemies and enemies of imperial rome probably a bit less so um but it it it, it does have the benefit of being a one-stop shop and th- th- they're becoming increasingly rare <laughs> of, of you know, a, a book that covers so much quite quite succinctly, you know, rather than being a bit more specialist, you know, like the army of Julius Caesar, 500 pages on it. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's uh, so, yeah, we shall, we, shall, we shall put those on the blog, definitely for people then. So, and, and obviously all these lists. And, and Matt, if you can... I, I will send, send you the, the updated one yep. as well. well. We'll put both of them up so people can see your uh, the first draft and the improved on air draft. <laughs> <laughs> you, you you heard it getting tweaked in real time there, folks. <laughs> so between between Matt and Richard, um, checking stuff. It may well be coming to a table near you soon. <laughs> <laughs> Depending just how many shield transfers Matt can be bothered to cut out Absolutely. before he's yep. dragged away by the men in the white coats. It's all right. They're used to me. They just give me more pills. Yeah, yeah paint some more. Yeah, you'll be fine. <laughs> okay, okay, guys. I mean, those are the armies we've covered. Hopefully, they're of interest to people and the the historical bit. I was wondering if there's uh, before we sign off, is there a sort of any other business, anything else people just want to pass on to the to the listeners, things that may be of interest things that are coming up richard uh the yeah thank you the society of ancients uh battle day is on the 20th of march at shaw house in newbury uh this is refighting the battle of adrianople um and is an excellent day uh it involves a lot of different rule sets all played at the same place um and it starts with an excellent introductory talk which i think this year will be given by Simon mcdowell um and i would heartily recommend it okie dokie again i'll try and remember to put a link for information purposes on the blog for that matt anything that's crossed your mind that people might be just um, interested in it doesn't have to be events or anything there's something you think the listeners out there should know I, I think it's worth mentioning that there's a new round of clarifications that have come out that are on the forum um, that are worth a read because there's a it's not a sea change it, it, it's a definitive statement from the author on how something should work which is around um, uh, moving into combat rather than charging into combat there's a very special section in the rules over that and it's always been a not contentious, but it, it's been a difficult section sometimes in, in, in gaming terms. So I think that's well worth the read for everybody to um, understand the underpinning logic to that. But, uh, um, yep, always a good point. The, the, the clarities are there to help us through. Rule writing 
as if anybody who's tried it knows is incredibly difficult <laughs> we, we, we all sort of approach things in different ways how we want to read things so you know it's a, a rules rules writers to some degree on a hiding to nothing because <laughs> getting what you know into words to get over to other people is you know i've tried it i don't think i'm that good at it <laughs> i'm definitely not <laughs> It, it is difficult. Yes, any of you rules. does rules, you know. It's uh, so okay. If we've, if that's that, we'll just say thank you very much, Matt and Richard, as ever. Um, hopefully, you, the listeners, found this of interest. Again, as I said at the beginning, all feedback most welcome, um, and hopefully, we will be back again soon. I couldn't tell you what we'll talk about next time. We'll have a think about it. But again, if you've got suggestions, chuck them in. So thank you and good night. Thank you all. Thank you.